Well, hey, good morning. How are we doing? Good, good. Do me a favor. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew 3 right now. We're going to be in Matthew 3 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We have people coming down the aisles. We'll get God's word into your hand. Just raise your hand up. And again, you can keep that. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to keep that and bring that home. And I kind of want to set the stage of where we're going this morning so everyone's on the same page. Um, this is a very, very special weekend for us at Harvest, and we are having a baptism weekend, and all of our services are going to be centered around this idea of baptism. And do me a favor, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have been to a baptism service here at our church for all right? A lot of you have, and you know that these are really, really impactful, powerful, special weekends at our church where we're going to take a step and watch people in our church take a step of obedience by coming forward at the end of the service, getting in that tank over there with which is full of water, and publicly profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in an act of following Jesus and out of an act of obedience. And there's some of you here this morning that you've come in here and you've kind of been wrestling with this, should I or should I not get baptized? And you come in and you see that the tank is full and immediately you start getting a little bit sweaty, right? And so you're here and you're feeling a little bit tense. The blood pressure might be a little bit elevated and you're kind of wrestling, man, do I need to get baptized? Should I get baptized? And here's what I would say. I'm happy you're here and I want you to wrestle with this this morning. Uh, There's some of you in here that came in this morning having no idea that it was a baptism service, and by the end of the service, you're going to be in that tank getting baptized, and I'm excited that you're here. You might even be here to watch someone in your family or someone you love get baptized, and you're going to end up getting baptized. We believe that that's going to happen, and so here's what we're going to do. Um, When we've done baptism services before, a lot of times what we do is we just preach kind of the normal message in our series, and then at the end, we close into baptism, And, and that works, and that's fine and that's good, but we were kind of talking together with one another, like, you know what? We haven't taught specifically on baptism in probably five or six years. So what we're going to do this morning is really just drill down on what is this whole baptism thing? What's it all about? Why did Jesus get baptized? And why does he call us to get baptized? I think it's going to be really helpful for us to understand this better. So here's the big idea, and this is really important. It's this, baptism is all about identity. Baptism is all about identity. When you think of getting baptized, it has everything to do with where you're placing your identity. It was true for Jesus, and it is true for you and me today. So let's uh, look at Matthew 3. This is kind of the most extensive teaching on the baptism of Jesus, and I want to start in verse 4. It says this. It says, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Anyone pumped about eating locusts and wild honey? Come on, anyone? Anyone brave enough to say, I'd try that? Okay, well, if you, yeah, a couple hands back there. You guys should be a part of junior high ministry. They're looking for people like you. Um, You can sign up at the end of the service. So John's out in the wilderness. He's eating locusts and wild honey. It says, then Jerusalem and all of Judea and the region about the Jordan were going out to him. So he's causing a stir. He's causing a buzz. It says, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Okay, so a a real brief description on who John was. Remember, John was the cousin of Jesus. They were very, very similar in age, and, and they would have grown up together. And John was called by God to be the last prophet in Israel before the Messiah would come, which would end the age of prophets. And um, 
John, his whole job was very, very specific. He's preparing the people. He's preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And he's getting the people's hearts in Israel ready to receive the promised Messiah. And John was eccentric. He's out in the wilderness. He's eating weird food. And he's baptizing people. So the first question I think we need to answer is what was John's baptism all about? And John was doing two things when he baptized people. The first was, is this was a baptism of repentance. And we see this right in verse six. It says, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So John's in the wilderness and the message he's preaching is, listen, you need to be made right with God. That sin is the thing that separates us from God and our, and our hope for salvation is not just in our heritage or in our good works or in how we look on the outside, but God sees the heart. He wants a relationship with us and we need to take the sin in our lives seriously. So people were coming forward, they were confessing their sins, they were getting right with God and John was baptizing them as a symbol of being cleansed from their sin. Okay, but the second thing he was doing, which was probably arguably even more impactful is this, is he's establishing a new people with a new identity. John's preparing the way for the Messiah and he's beginning to establish this people whose identity will be found in Jesus. We see this in verse seven. It says this, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Jump to verse 11. It says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So what John's doing is, is he has this encounter with these Pharisees who are coming to check out what he's teaching and what he's doing. They're worried because he's drawing people away from them. And he's saying, listen, um, your hope for salvation is no longer in the fact that you are children of Abraham. And he's saying, listen, you need to get your hearts right with God. You need to flee your evil way. You're saying, no, we're God's people because of God's promises to Abraham. I'm telling you, God can raise up from these stones people of Abraham. But there's someone new who's coming, whose, I'm, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry, and salvation is going to be found through repentance of sin and faith in the coming Messiah. He's very, very clear that there's a new identity, a new people whose hope for salvation is no longer in the Old Testament law or national heritage. It's going to be found through faith in this Messiah. All right, look at verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I do not need to be baptized. Uh, I, I need to be baptized by you and you, do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. All right, so John's doing uh, his baptism thing. He's preaching and apparently he didn't know that Jesus was coming to be baptized. And Jesus shows up and he's like, all right, John, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. 
I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Why are you coming to do this? And you have to remember, this is an important thing. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So Jesus is coming to be baptized in a baptism of repentance. And John's like, that's crazy. You don't need to repent of anything. And this is a very, very important theological point right here because what John is doing here is he's dispelling the notion that Jesus was just a great teacher or a great moral philosopher. If Jesus was just a man who became a Messiah or or if he was a man who was just a great teacher, he would have been sinful like you and me and need to be baptized to be uh, a baptism of repentance. But John's like, you don't need this. He's saying, you've always been perfect. You've always kept the law. You are altogether different in your righteousness than even I am. He's showing that Jesus had always perfectly kept the law, always been perfect. Okay, so this begs the question, if Jesus didn't need to repent, why did Jesus get baptized? What is Jesus doing having a baptism of repentance? Well, there's three things we're gonna see that Jesus is doing. The first is this. Jesus gets baptized to identify himself as the one who would give us righteousness. He's doing it to identify himself as the one who would give us righteousness. Look at verse 15. Jesus, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John's like, why are we getting baptized? And Jesus is like, we need to do this so you and I can fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does Jesus mean there? What is he saying? Well, what he's actually doing is he's reminding John of a prophecy about the Messiah in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, 11, it says this, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And so what Jesus is doing with John is he's saying, listen, I need to do this as a symbol to identify myself that I'm going to be the one that makes people righteous. That by getting baptized, I am showing the people in the crowd, in the audience, that righteousness will no longer be found through works, through the law, or even through baptism and cleaning yourself up. Righteousness will be found by what I accomplish for many. That I am the one who is going to make everyone or all that would trust in me righteous. That our hope for righteousness does not rest on our merit or our effort or our good works. Or look here, all of us would be hopeless. But Jesus, through his life, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, counts us righteous. That Jesus on the cross, he paid for our sins and we inherited the perfect righteousness of Jesus. So when God sees you and me, he doesn't see us for our failure or for our brokenness or our sin, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus in us. That's been accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. He's saying, I am the one who is going to fulfill all of the righteousness that human history could ever need. It's going to be me. The second thing Jesus is doing is is he's foreshadowing his death and resurrection. Right, think about the the picture of baptism, right? Jesus is submerged underwater, and and that is a symbol of Jesus' death and burial. And then he is raised up, which is a picture of Jesus' triumphant resurrection, defeat over sin, death, and Satan. And what's cool about this is Jesus is not just saying, here's what I'm going to do, but he's saying, this is how I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to fulfill your righteousness, not through war or, or through decree or through power, but I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die, be buried, and then raise again from the dead. And then the third thing he's doing is, is he's announcing himself as the Messiah. He's announcing himself as the Messiah. The baptism is the point when Jesus begins his public ministry. So as soon as he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. And coming out of that, he begins to teach. And it's like go time for Jesus. And what's always been interesting to me in this text is what God does, God the Father does immediately after Jesus is baptized. It says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And I've always wondered to myself, like, why did God the Father feel the need to say that in that moment? So Jesus gets baptized, and then all of a sudden he comes up, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and the voice of God the Father is like, this is my son. Like, what's God the Father doing? Is he giving Jesus a pep talk? Is he like, man, I'm so proud of you, bro. You got this. You can do this. Like, is this the um, New Testament equivalent of posting something our kids do online with like heart eye emojis? Like, oh, I'm so proud of them. Look how great they are. Is that what's happening? Um, well, it might be part of it. Like, think about it. God the Father knew that Jesus is about to go in the wilderness for 40 days to fast and to be tempted. And he knows this is going to get really, really difficult for Jesus. And I'm sure that would have been an encouragement to the heart of Jesus, but he's also doing something else. He's also affirming to everyone that Jesus truly is the Messiah. And the way he does that is, once again, he's using Old Testament language of a prophecy of the Messiah in what he says about Jesus. In Isaiah 42, 1, it says this, Behold my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. So there's this prophecy about the Messiah that God's heart would delight in this Messiah. And now God is saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Everyone there would have been keenly aware that God was saying, this is the Messiah. He is the one you've been waiting for. Follow him. Jesus' baptism was all about him identifying himself as God's chosen Messiah. All right, so let's transition. Here's the question. So why do we get baptized? If Jesus' baptism was all about identifying himself as the Messiah, why are we getting baptized today? Well, here's the first reason we get baptized. It's simple. It's out of obedience. It's out of obedience. The real simple reason is we get baptized because Jesus asks us to. He commands us to. Well, where does he do that, Cal? I'll show you. It's in Matthew 28, 19. This is right before Jesus ascends back into heaven. This is his last kind of conversation with his disciples. And he says this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he says, listen, as you go out, as you preach the gospel and as people get saved, what I want you to do is I want you to baptize them. That part of the act of obedience, of declaring yourself as a follower of Jesus is to take this step of baptism. And if you read through the book of Acts, I could show you passage after passage after passage where the same pattern plays itself out. The disciples or Paul goes into a new area. The Holy Spirit moves. People get saved. They repent of their sin. They believe in Jesus. They confess him as Lord. And then they go get baptized. It is part of what saved people do because they're obeying Jesus. They're honoring what he's asked them to do. We do this out of obedience. If you're a follower of Jesus, 
That means you wanna glorify God with your life and that means living out of obedience to his word. Well, Jesus clearly says, if you are my disciple, I want you to get baptized. We get baptized because we love Jesus, we follow him and he's commanded it of us. Here's the second one. We get baptized to identify ourselves publicly with Jesus. Again, baptism is all about identity. So when we stand in the tank and get baptized, we are saying, listen, I want everyone to know that I'm a follower of Jesus, that my identity is firmly placed in my Savior's hands, that he saved me, that my hope is in him, my salvation is in him, my identity is in him, and I live to glorify Jesus. That's why I'm here, that that's what I believe, it's what I'm doing. Um, I remember when I was in high school, my senior year, I was a soccer player, and this is what happens in most sports, is at the beginning of the year, kind of once you figure out who's on the team, is you order like a team sweatshirt. And I remember my senior year, we had ordered a team sweatshirt, and the sweatshirt was really, really cool. It had a soccer ball on the front, it said WMC up on the top, but then we all had signed the soccer ball, and the sweatshirt had like a picture of all of our signatures. So you'd have all the signatures of all of your teammates on the sweatshirt, and on the back of the sweatshirt, it had my name and my number. And you ordered at the beginning of the season and it takes a couple months for the sweatshirts to come. And I was just like so excited to get my sweatshirt. I thought it was really, really cool. And I remember I was at my house when uh, the sweatshirt arrived and I brought it home. And um, I was hanging out with Mary, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I opened up the box that my sweatshirt was in. I was like, Mary, look how cool this is. I'm so pumped to wear it. And Mary's like, man, that sweatshirt's awesome. It's gonna look great on me. <laughs> and I was like, What? And she's like, yeah, Cal, that's how it works, is I wear your soccer sweatshirt so everyone knows that I'm your girlfriend. This, this is how this works. <laughs> and I'm like, Mary, our school's like 250 people. I don't think there's like a ton of confusion about who I'm dating. Like, I'm not sure this is necessary. And Mary's like, wow, Cal, I just think it's so cute you believe you have a say in this matter, <laughs> right? So we argued back and forth a little bit and we reached a compromise. She took my sweatshirt and wore it all spring. Um, so that's how that went. But it was kind of this idea that like when she wears the sweatshirt, she's saying to everyone, um, I'm Cal's girlfriend. I'm Cal's girl. I'm wearing the, the shirt. I'm wearing the jersey. It's kind of what baptism is. It's saying, listen, I'm Christ's. I belong to Jesus. I'm wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the jersey. He saved me. I love him. My hope is in him. My identity is in him. I belong to Jesus Christ. And some of you are thinking, well, why do I need to do that publicly? Um, because it's important to Jesus that we do it publicly. One of the things we see over and over in the Bible is that oftentimes outward actions really, really seal and confirm what's going on inwardly in our hearts. And I think there's this thing that if we say, well, my faith is private and it's personal and it's only between me and God, I think we're leaving a lot of room for the enemy to cast doubt. Is this real? Is this true? Am I really saved? And one of the ways we can combat that is say, no, 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 I've gone forward and I've publicly said, man, I love Jesus and I belong to him and he is my Lord and Savior. It's important. We publicly identify ourselves with Jesus and then the third, which I think is beautiful, is we get baptized to symbolize what Jesus has accomplished for us. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says this. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what Ephesians says is that, listen, is that we were dead 
in our trespasses and sins and that he has made us alive in Christ. And I think we have this false view of salvation and of ourselves where it's like, all right, I'm me and I'm Calvin. And when I get saved, I'm just adding Jesus to my resume or to my profile that I'm the same person, I just now have a relationship with God and I have a relationship with Jesus. But that's different than what the Bible says. The Bible says that before Christ, that you and I were spiritually dead. We could not seek Jesus. We could not earn his favor. There was nothing we could do to clean ourselves up before God, that we were dead and that God in his love for us sent Jesus to open our eyes and make us alive. So when we are submerged in baptism, we're saying we were dead without Christ. We weren't just broken. We weren't just hopeless. We weren't just in trouble. We were dead. And now when we uh, come out of the water, we are symboling that he is the one who has made us alive. But there's another thing that's going on too is because what we're also saying is that I am dying to my old self. I'm dying to my sin. I'm dying to living to glorify myself and only think about what's best for me. But now I am coming alive to Christ and I live for his glory and to bring him joy. And he is not just my savior, but he's my Lord. First Peter 2.24 says this, says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. My life is no longer centered around myself. The sin patterns in my life, they aren't the things that define me. They don't hold power over me, but I can have victory through repentance and the Holy Spirit and faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation. So we're symbolizing what Jesus has done for us, both in making us alive, but then by giving us the power to die to our sins and live to Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Okay, so here's what I wanna do now. Um, I want to take a moment and I want to talk about two things baptism is not because I think there's some false kind of perceptions about baptism that I need to clear up. Here's the first thing I need you to believe and need you to hear. Um, Baptism is not the way to become saved. Baptism is not salvific in nature. I'll say it this way. Baptism isn't how you get saved. It's what saved people do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Hear what that's saying? He's saying, listen, there's nothing that you can do, no action that you can take that can earn your salvation. That you and I, and I wanna be very, very clear on this, we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what that means. There's two parts to that. The first part is, is we believe that historically Jesus is who he said he was, that he was the son of God, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, that he lived a sinless, perfect life, that he ushered in the kingdom of God, that everything he said was true, that he is the perfect reflection of God. And that he willingly died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to give us his righteousness. And then he rose again three days later, defeating sin, defeating death, and ushering in the age of the Holy Spirit, the church, and of salvation. That only through faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just a prophet, he was the sinless son of God. We have to believe that that's true historically. It's not an idea, it's not a theory, it's not a religion, it's historical reality. You have to believe that. And then the second part is, it's a confessing of our sins, 
acknowledging that I am sinful and I need Christ's forgiveness in my life. And then through his power, turning from that sin and living a life that would seek to put God at the center and at the priority of our lives. That's what it means to live by faith. It's not through the action of baptism that you're saved. And a perfect example of this is the thief on the cross next to Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. Remember that story? Jesus is on the cross and the thief on one side is making fun of him. And it's like, if you're really the Messiah, you could call down an army of angels and you could save everyone. And if you were really God, you wouldn't be in this spot. And then there was another thief who kind of chided the other thief and was like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. We're here because we deserve to be. This guy's done nothing wrong. And then he turns over to Jesus and he says, hey, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He's hanging on a cross, breathing his last breaths. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, today, surely you will be with me in paradise. That thief had no opportunity to get baptized. He had no opportunity to make any actions that would prove his love for Jesus. He just had faith to say, he is the son of God. He is the king and I am hopeless. And Jesus, my only hope is in you. And Jesus welcomed him gladly into eternity into salvation. Again, you know, it's funny. Um, Almost every baptism, what happens is is people come forward and and we meet with them downstairs and we pray with them and they're getting ready. And then I'll ask them, hey, why do you want to get baptized? And they'll say, well, I want to get baptized because I want to be saved. I want to have a relationship with God. And I'll be like, well, can I ask you a question? Um, Do you believe in, in Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he died for your sins and that he loves you? And they're like, yeah, totally. I absolutely believe that. And I'm like, well, have you confessed your sin and repented? And do you want to follow Jesus? Yes, I have. And I'm like, here's the good news. You're already saved. Like, we're going to get in the baptism tank and just celebrate what God has already done in your heart. You don't need to get baptized to be saved. It's what saved people do out of obedience and identifying ourselves with Jesus. Here's the second thing baptism is not, and this is important. Um, Baptism is not the fix-it button. Baptism is not going to be the thing that makes everything make sense in your life or make everything easier. And I think a lot of times there's this temptation to get baptized like I'm in this trial or I'm seeking God's will for my life. And maybe if I just get baptized, uh, uh, everything's gonna get easier and everything's gonna get better in my marriage. You know, maybe I'm in a crisis and I want things to get fixed. So I'm gonna get baptized because if I do this, then then God's gonna help me out over here. Now listen, does, does God want to help you? Absolutely. Does God answer our prayers? Absolutely. But here's what we've seen and what I believe is true. I think baptism, most of the time, might even make your life more difficult in the short term rather than fixing everything for you. And here's why. Because whenever you and I take a step of obedience, the enemy sees that and it's aware and it wants to push back to discourage us and, and to keep us on the sidelines in regard to our walk with Christ. Now listen, does blessing always follow obedience? Yes, but I don't want to give you this false hope that, man, if you've got trouble in your life, just come get baptized and everything's going to be a fairy tale. That's not what baptism is. It's about our identity and it's saying, listen, I don't have everything together and I'm still weak and I still feel broken and there's things in my life that are scary and I'm not sure how they're going to work out, but here's what I know to be true, that God is with me, that Jesus loves me and my hope and faith is in Christ alone. That's what baptism is. It's not a fix-it button. It's us placing our identity in Jesus. 
Okay, so here's the last question. What's God's will for us? Right, we did a series called The Church for Monday and we spent the last two weeks. How do you determine God's will in, in your life? And in, in this area, it's very, very simple. Look at me. God's will for you right now is that if you have not been baptized in response to your salvation, in response to your faith in Jesus, God's will for you is that you would get baptized right here, this service, this moment. And I'm gonna... Um, play that out for you. So what I want to do is I want to answer some questions that maybe you're wrestling with. And some of the times or some of the reasons we don't get baptized is like, all right, Cal, I've already been baptized. I've been baptized as an infant. And and, and listen, um, in our area, in the reformed church, um, infant baptism is a thing. And by the way, there's theology behind it. And there's a reason that infants are baptized. And here's what I would say. Look here, I want you to hear me. Um, I'm not dogging infant baptism at all. Um, In fact, I think it's amazing if you were here baptized as an infant. By the way, let me just do this. Show of hands. Who here was baptized as an infant in this church? All right, see, this is a thing for a lot of people. And listen, if you raised your hand, can I say this to you? I think that's incredible. Like, what an amazing gift from God that you had parents who loved you and we're like, man, I want, and I'm asking God to be faithful to a promise that my kids would grow up to know and love Jesus Christ, right? We do something a little different at our church. We dedicate infants, but it's the same principle in this idea is, listen, church, we want your help. We want you to be praying for our kids, and we want these kids to experience a vibrant relationship with their Savior. Like, what an awesome gift your parents gave you. But we need to at least agree on this that your baptism, if you got baptized as an infant, that was something your parents did for you. It wasn't a decision that you made for yourself. Like I've never met like a three month old baby that's like, I'm really feeling to get convicted to get baptized right now. You know, the Holy Spirit's just moving in my heart. Like it's never happened. And here's what I would say, what Jesus says and what we see in the New Testament is this pattern that people, when they're saved every time they make after their salvation the conscious choice to get baptized. It's a response to what's been done in their life. It's an act of obedience. So here's what I would say. If you've been baptized as an infant and not as an adult or as after someone who's given their life to Christ, come forward and get baptized. You're not dishonoring what your parents did for you, but what you're actually doing is saying, listen, what my parents hoped for, it came true. It was accomplished and I wanna come in and I wanna celebrate the fact that I know Jesus and it's my own faith, it's not my parents'. You can honor what your folks did and be obedient to what Jesus is calling you to right now. Well, here's a question. Well, what if I didn't come ready? Like I, I don't have stuff to wear. I, didn't, I wasn't planning on getting baptized. Um, we've got that covered for you. We've got everything you could possibly need to get baptized. We've got bags for you to put your clothes in. We've got bags for you to put your um, wet clothes in after you get out of the tank. We've got stuff to make your hair look beautiful, ladies, when you're done getting baptized. We've got makeup for your face to make your faces look beautiful. Everything you could possibly think of, we've handled. We've done this before. All you have to do right now is be ready to make the step of obedience. That's the only thing you need to do this morning. Um, What if you're here and you're like, well, I just don't know if I feel worthy. Like I've got some stuff in my life that's not very pretty and I haven't been following Jesus perfectly. I love him, but, but my walk is not where I want it to be. Listen, nobody's walk is where we want it to be. 
And I would say that if you don't feel worthy, it just means you're beginning to understand how amazing God's love is for you, that he's not done with you, that he hasn't abandoned you. And what he would want you to do right now is not let your past failure define you, but be defined by the identity that Christ has made and purchased for you, that your righteousness is not in your performance, it's in Jesus Christ. So you have a moment right now to say, despite my past, I'm gonna come forward and say, my identity is rooted in Jesus Christ and my hope and my eternity and my future is in him. What if you're here and you're like, well, well I need to pray about it. Um, that's easy, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need to pray about doing what God has clearly asked you to do. Like, I don't need to pray about whether or not I should be kind to my kids. God has told me I need to love my kids. God has told me I need to love my wife. That's not a prayer thing. That's an acting out of obedience. So don't let that thing be the thing that pushes pause on it. Make that step in obedience right now. Here's one. Well, I would really prefer if my family was here to celebrate it with me. Um, here's the good news. This is all... Um, First of all, it's live on Facebook right now, but we record every service. So if your family wants to see you getting baptized, you can show them the video. We'll make that happen. We'll get that to you. And here's what I would argue. Your family loves you and the people that you want here to celebrate with you, they're gonna celebrate with you once they see the video and they're gonna be happy that you did it. You're not gonna disappoint anyone by being obedient to what the Lord is calling you to do. And then here's the last one. What if I'm nervous? Like this whole thing, it just makes my blood pressure spike and I don't like standing in front of people and, and, and I'm nervous. Um, can I give you a spoiler alert to how this thing's gonna go down? Here's what's gonna happen. People are gonna come forward and get baptized and they're gonna say in the tank that they love Jesus. They're gonna be baptized and everyone's gonna cheer for you, right? Like we're a family, we love each other. No one is judging anything you say or don't say. We're on your side, we're for you. It's going to be an awesome thing. Listen, for so many of us in so many different ways, fear wins so many days and so many moments in our lives. Let's not have fear win in this moment. Let's have obedience and faith in Jesus Christ win. Amen? Okay. So there's two groups of people here. There's some of you here who've already been baptized. And here would be my challenge to you. Uh, my challenge to you would be... Um, You've taken the step to symbolize my life and hope is in Jesus Christ. I've died to my sin and been made alive with Jesus. Can I ask you a question? How's that going? Are, are there things in your life that maybe are still holding you back? Like, can I ask the real question, man, what are the things in your life that you might have to say, hey, you know what, this isn't just a one-time thing and it's done, but this is a day in, day out, everyday struggle to follow Jesus. And there's some things that I need to continue to put to death in my life. Let's not leave here unaffected by God's word and God's spirit because you've already been baptized. There's a word for us here, amen? And then for some of you in here who haven't been baptized, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to then invite everyone to stand up and I'm gonna call those who wanna get forward to come up and to go over to my wife, Mary, who's wearing a very pretty sweatshirt, not my soccer one, a better one. Um, and, and she'll meet you and we've got people along the whole way that will show you everywhere you need to go. They'll meet with you. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna be here with you. All you have to do is to be faithful to Jesus. You don't have to worry about anything else. And I'm gonna call you forward to come get baptized right after we pray, all right? All right, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, God, I just uh, thank you for this morning. Um, God, I'm thankful for what you're going to do in this service. And, and God, I would just ask right now, um, I know for certain that there are people here whose hearts are beating, whose blood pressure is elevated, um, and, and they're really on the fence right now. Are they gonna make a move in obedience or, or are they gonna sit and watch? And, and God, I just don't, um, I don't want anyone to leave here this weekend feeling defeated because they didn't take the step of obedience that they know they need to make. So would you just move in their hearts right now? Would you continue to press in? Would you give them strength? Would you give them courage? God, we love you. We're so excited to hear testimonies of how you're working in people's lives. God, you are moving today. You are alive. You're powerful. You're saving lives. And what an awesome thing that is for us to celebrate. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.